Welcome to the show for sinners and sufferers. My name is Cody, and today I want to talk to you for a bit about deconstruction because all of the cool kids are doing it, or or at least that's what some people seem to think. Deconstruction has become a a favorite buzzword in many Christian and ex-Christian corners of the internet over the past several years. And more and more, I'm hearing people talk about it in the, the real world, in offline conversations. But for how many people are talking about deconstruction and how many people are associating themselves with this label, saying that, that that's what I'm doing, I'm deconstructing, any universally agreed upon definition of what this word means, of, of what it is to deconstruct, seems to have been lost in the process. If you've clicked on this video or, or the podcast audio and you don't know what this word means, uh, it's a term originally co-opted from a philosophy of reading literature where you deconstruct the definitions of every word and phrase to, to formulate your own interpretation beyond the author's intended reading. It's very postmodern, but but in reference to faith, when we say deconstruction, we've, we've kind of repurposed this word, and it's generally referring to this process of picking apart your traditions, practices, and beliefs, assessing them, holding them up to the light to determine what's genuine, what you're going to hold on to, and what to leave on the cutting room floor. Deconstruction is a process, not a destination. In the the early days of this channel, Kyle and I each did an episode on our own experiences of deconstructing our respective faith and traditions and ultimately reconstructing or reforming our faith to something truer and stronger. And uh, I often hear people use this word deconstruction as if it's a destination. You'll hear people say like, my son deconstructed or, oh, I know someone who deconstructed. But that really could mean they deconverted, that that they deny God entirely, or it could just mean that they changed denominations, or that they left a cult, or they left fundamentalism or, or progressivism. I've known a number of people who have deconstructed from fundamentalism and legalism and, and landed in a more biblical healthy Christianity. I myself deconstructed from the progressive emergent church when I was faced with the the hypocrisy and the shallowness and hopelessness of that movement. But the reality is there have been a lot of people leaving the church, leaving their faith. Uh, I remember back in 2011 when I was just starting Bible college, uh, there was this big study that came out and I was hearing all these statistics Uh, as Christian leaders discussed my generation, millennials, and how we were just leaving the faith in a mass exodus. We're completely abandoning the church. And I don't know the stats, but just anecdotally, I I would guess that Gen Z isn't much different as far as youth group kids leaving their faith behind as they move into college or their careers. And pastors and leaders have been trying to pinpoint a singular cause where we can place the blame for all of this happening. Uh, And this idea of deconstruction has become that for a lot of Christian leaders. It's the, the one thing you can put all the blame on. And but those who identify with this label, the those who actually are, are experiencing deconstruction, this is a very broad group. 
within this group of people deconstructing, some people are just asking tough questions, searching for, for deeper answers that, because they aren't content with the surface level platitudes, the PG Christianity that we learned as kids. And this can be a good and even necessary thing. Jesus leads his, his disciples to essentially deconstruct preconceptions they had about their faith, about who the Messiah would be, how God would deliver them from oppression. And this was uh, essentially what the Protestant Reformation was about. In 1517, Martin Luther became fixated on elements of the church, tradition, and practices that he couldn't reconcile with Scripture. So, so he spoke out about it. He took a stand and said, these things need to go. This is what we need to leave on the cutting room floor. And for Christians today, especially those of us who grew up in a faith tradition, there are likely cultural things, elements of the preferences of influential people in our lives that we have packaged with our faith. We, we assumed them to be part of Christianity, though they actually have no basis in scripture. And we need to discern those things to separate them out from the Word of God. And, and this is something that as believers we should be doing continually throughout our lives. The, the Reformers coined the term Semper Reformanda, which means always reforming. We must always be checking ourselves, our beliefs, behaviors, traditions ag against the Word of God. The, this is how people leave cults. Ginger Duggar, one of the, the kids from that 19 Kids and Counting show, she talks about her, her disentangling, she calls it. She wrote a book with that in the title from the Institute of Biblical Life Principles, which is this kind of pseudo-Christian fundamentalist cult. And this was ultimately a good thing for her, a necessary thing for her. Deconstruction was how she realized what part of this, this group she was in wasn't true Christianity. This is the, the, the good side of deconstruction, but it doesn't always look pretty. It's not always safe and controlled. It's not always a nice thing to go through. For a lot of people, this process of pulling things apart to examine the pieces begins with a crisis of faith. They might have been faced with some obvious hypocrisy. A, a person might have been hurt by a church leader they trusted, or they, they might have been challenged by something, a, a question they couldn't answer. And they start this process of asking, what is true? What comes from man? What comes from God? What can I hold on to and what do I drop? But if someone is starting this process in a, in a position of compromised trust, they've been hurt by a church, hurt by a leader, that's going to color how they answer those questions, as well as who and what they turn to for answers. And if you, you're a believer, you're a Christian, you want to help someone who, who's going through this, this is not the time to start badgering them with doctrine and theology. And hear me, I love talking about theology. I'm a huge freaking nerd. But what these people need from the church is community is relationships to to repair the trust that might have been compromised but often the church responds to people asking questions and expressing doubts and disillusionment is, is to villainize them to criticize the question or just refuse to give an answer and, and of course it, some people are just planning an exit some people are asking these questions looking for answers and some people are asking questions looking for excuses they want a, a way out, but feel like they need to justify that by creating a crisis for themselves. 
When they say they are deconstructing, they really mean that they are demolishing their faith. But the problem I've been seeing that, that made me want to talk about this today is all of these people are being conflated under this banner of deconstruction. So we could put them all in the same tidy box, seal it, label it dangerous goods, and wash our hands of them and write them off. But even if you don't fit into any of these categories, you've never experienced that, your faith has just always been rock solid. We have a responsibility in the Great Commission to be leading people toward Christ, toward truth. That's what it is to make disciples. Jesus speaks of leaving the flock to bring back his one lost sheep. And if we hope to actually be helpful, to be able to to build people up and direct them in truth, we need to understand what they're going through, what they're talking about, what questions and doubts they're wrestling with. And and kind of what what set me off to to want to talk about this was it was just a few weeks ago. So this is probably old news by now. I can't keep up with with all the Christian internet news dramas, and and frankly, I don't really want to. But I did see just a few weeks ago that uh, John MacArthur, who's an old megachurch pastor, Calvinist guy, I've got a couple of his books, uh, his commentaries. Uh, He was a guest on the Babylon Bee podcast, which caught my attention because... Babylon B is a comedy podcast, a Christian satire podcast that can be pretty no holds barred at times. While John MacArthur, by contrast, is an old school, clean cut, conservative intellectual type. So, and the B host definitely made a joke right at the beginning when he, he asked MacArthur what it was like to grow up alongside the original authors of the Bible. And that seemed to go right over his head. In fact, a number of their jokes really didn't land well with MacArthur, which made them even funnier to me. But most of this interview, they, they talked about COVID and standing up to the government. But near the, the end of this interview, John MacArthur suddenly, he he says, I just want to say one more thing. And then he goes on this little tangent about them kids these days in their newfangled deconstruction. And the points he he made were essentially that he believes that people deconstructing were never one of us. They were never really saved. That these people are, are doubting and deconstructing and leaving the faith because they only have a shallow understanding of the gospel. As well, he suggests that many are doing this because it's the cool new thing to do, and and it's, quote, the new trendy victim crowd to be part of. And he says, in fact, there is all kinds of popularity to be had for joining this hashtag exvangelical community online. And there are definitely some tinges of truth in what he said. I agree a lot of Christians don't have much of a depth of understanding as to what we believe. And I think that makes us especially susceptible to being misled by false teachers or people bringing baseless claims against Christianity. There's a lot of the like TikTok and little YouTube shorts and things that I see of people being like, oh, didn't you know this thing about about God and how could you be a Christian? It's always just like, made up like thin air things that if we have a little bit of understanding we'd be better at guarding against but at the at the same time it's possible to spend your whole life attending church and never grasp it uh, myself growing up in church uh, I grew up in a 
good Christian home. My parents are awesome. My church was, was cool. But I didn't really grasp these things until later in my teen years. And there are basic elements of the gospel I couldn't have explained until I was already in Bible college. But at the same time, people I graduated Bible college with, most of whom had better grades than me because I suck at school, even people who continued on and were in the same master's program as me, some of them are now not believers. A couple of them are even pretty outspokenly anti-Christian. And I come back to what Paul writes. He mentions it in Romans, but in 1 Corinthians 2.14, he says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. There is more going on than just continually trying to shove knowledge down someone's throat. There is a spiritual aspect to it as well, to someone grasping and understanding and taking hold of the gospel. And a lot of people, too, uh, are being driven away or being pushed to this this place uh, of asking questions, not just by, by lack of knowledge, but because of hurt and hypocrisy, as I mentioned, or, or even because they have questions that just aren't being addressed. A lot of the, these big career preachers aren't spending the same amount of time down here outside of their ivory tower with us common folk. And often Christian leaders try to assume what questions are being asked and what doubts people have, but because they aren't listening to people, they're totally missing the mark. And in some churches, it's just not acceptable to ask certain questions. Myself, when I really struggled with my faith, I'd gone through several churches back to back where the pastor just treated me like garbage. I've had a pastor tell me I'm a loser who will never amount to anything. Another pastor straight up told me he didn't like me and didn't want me trying to be so involved in his church. Uh, One of the first jobs I ever had in a church, I and the entire staff team quit because the lead pastor was just a bully. But then at the same time this was happening, I was going through this, I was asking questions about what scripture is. How do we know to trust these documents that have been compiled into what we call the Bible? I wanted to know how God can be all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving, and yet terrible things are constantly happening. I wanted to know how a just God could send good people to hell just for not believing the right things, which, by the way, are all questions we've discussed on this channel before and, and will continue to address and expand upon. But These weren't questions I was allowed to be asking in churches. I was supposed to be asking questions like, how can I please God with my finances? Because that's what the pastor wanted to do a five-part series on. So so yes, I agree. A lot of people start deconstructing. They start asking questions and picking apart the pieces of their faith because they lack understanding. But it's also often relational things. It's often because of how they've been treated and how they've been shut down. So when MacArthur says people are doing this for a platform or to make friends and be part of this community, this seems a bit reductionistic and flippant to me. And I don't mean to bash MacArthur, I'll say. Like like I said, I have some of his books. I mostly like them. He's been hugely influential in my theological sphere. A lot of people who are influential to me were influenced by him. He's sort of like a grand pastor at this part. Um... 
and he's not the only one saying these things too. A few years ago, Matt Chandler, who I also generally like, referred to deconstruction as this new sexy trend. And he received a lot lot of pushback for that. And there definitely are influencers who have built a platform off of leaving their faith. And they try to make out like it was this amazing, liberating thing. I saw a post recently by some self-described faith transition coaches who tried to make out like rejecting God is self-care. But most people going through this aren't having a good time in the moment. Even people I've known personally who clearly were asking disingenuous questions or who were just trying to make an excuse for their exit still underwent a lot of feelings of shame and anxiety over potential lost relationships. I've, I've had someone tell me they were honestly shocked I still wanted to be their friend after they left the church. They, they just instinctively isolated themselves because they assumed that everyone was going to hate them. It's also a loss for a lot of people of purpose. If you've believed the purpose of your life is to glorify God, which it is, and then you reject God, what is the, the purpose of your life? A lot of people try to claim that living for yourself and your own happiness is so fulfilling and freeing, and it, it's even more so than living for God, but I promise you it's not. It might feel like it in a moment, but it's ultimately isolating and hopeless because ultimately you are going to let you down because you're just a human. And as far as deconstructing for popularity, to be part of this community, we are created for community and we tend to go where community is. This is why a lot of people, especially teenagers, build their entire identity around whatever interest or aspect of their personality has been a source for community. If people have to leave the church, deny their faith to find real supportive community, that's probably an indictment of the church more than of the person leaving. And if you've you've been part of the the Sinners and Suffers community for a while, you know this is my agenda, to see churches become intentional about creating real, meaningful community, about having conversations, being more than just a classroom. And if you listen to, to people leaving the church... Or, or even to a lot of people staying in the church and why they stay, community is a massive factor. Churches often act like friendship isn't spiritual enough to be a priority, but the most effective place for someone to hear the gospel and grasp it, to learn to live in light of who God is and who he has made us in him, is in community with friends who are also following after Jesus. And, and I... I'm really fascinated by cults. I listen to a couple podcasts about it. Like there's one called Cultish I'd highly recommend. And one thing you'll see with a lot of cults is the reason people initially join them is by love bombing. This is a a tactic. Uh, It's like a grooming tactic where they're just like, everyone's so friendly. It's such a great community. They're so nice. But then the, the church here is community love one another, support one another, meet each other's needs. These are biblical directives. But we hear that and go, ah, more Bible studies because we can't imagine life and ministry in any other context than a classroom. And another big reason uh, I observe for people leaving the church is because of how we've we've neutered it spiritually and as far as the the mystery and the fantastical, we've filtered the supernatural out of Christianity. When I was in Bible college, I was being told the biggest threat to the church, the opponent we would need to be able to debate 
is scientism, which is the the scientific uh, naturalism taken to an extreme, the idea that the only truth is what can be scientifically proven. Yet one of the biggest movements in North America right now is about basing your identity on, on something ethereal, something subjective to your own personal experience that is not scientifically observable, but that everyone should accept as objectively true because of your experience. The world isn't all that hung up on science. And more and more paganism, literally paganism is on the rise. I'm not being hyperbolic. People are worshiping Thor and practicing Norse rituals. One person who who told me they were leaving Christianity because it lacked compelling evidence is now a a witch, a Wiccan, whatever you call it. Uh, uh, The New Age movement is gaining massive traction. It's becoming somewhat normative to use psychedelics to induce spiritual experiences. Even like Joe Rogan's, the biggest podcast in the world, he's talking about using, oh, I can't think of the word, but it's like a psychedelic drink, ayahuasca. They use this to, to... see things and they all meet the same like little green men or something like that and people are longing for the mystical and mysterious why are so many people talking about aliens why have urban legends like bigfoot survived for so long and people are having legitimate experiences with which witchcraft is apparently producing results for enough of its practitioner practitioners that it hasn't died out people taking um, ayahuasca are, are having the same experiences and seeing the same beings as the church tries to downplay the supernatural and act as if naturalism and Christianity are somehow uh, cohesive and they can coexist. People are, are, are peeking into the spiritual world in, in other ways, in dangerous ways, ways that God doesn't intend for his creation to do so. But at the heart of Christianity is the most supernatural thing. God himself became In the form of a man, he defeated death to make spiritually dead people alive. You can't explain that with science and naturalism. This is a supernatural thing. The way that lives are changed and transformed by him. But if so many churches continue to treat faith as merely a fruitless routine to secure afterlife insurance, if we continue to ignore what people are going through, ignore hypocrisy and abuses, uh, to ignore the questions and doubts people are wrestling with to deny the supernatural as people experience it elsewhere, people are going to keep leaving. And maybe we could use a little deconstruction if it's going to lead us to reformation, to refinement. Maybe asking questions is a good thing. Dropping cultural baggage is a good thing when it's done with the intention of knowing what's true, of knowing God. When we trust in his word is the the standard by which we test everything. Well, that's all I've got to say. Uh, I hope that wasn't too rambly for you. Uh, I am working on some new ideas for episodes and potential series coming up. Uh, So as always, I'd love to hear from you if you have topics or questions you'd like me to discuss or to bring someone on to have a conversation about, let me know. Also, if you know someone who is smart and would be down to come on, like I've I've met some really interesting people in that way, you can leave a comment on YouTube or send a message to to the Instagram at Sinner Suffers. All of our links are on sinnersandsuffers.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And I will see you later.